most people don't understand the nuance between metrics aware and metrics driven. To me, the difference is metrics aware means I know what the metrics are in my business. I know where we are today and I know where we came from. Metrics driven is I know where we are today and I understand that by doing a specific thing, it will drive a specific result. And if I want a specific result and I don't know how to get there, I have to run a lot of tests to learn what that means. So another way to say it, it's a difference between a lagging indicator and a leading indicator. So the big question is this, how do small business owners like us grow our leadership, develop our teams and scale our business in a way that allows us to get our products and services out to the world yet still remain profitable? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Bradley Hamner and this is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Before we get into today's episode, did you know that Club Capital is the largest accounting and advisory firm for insurance agency owners in the country, providing monthly accounting, CFO services, and tax preparation? Check them out at club.capital. Welcome to another episode of the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. My name is Bradley Hammond, your host. On today's episode, we have Amos Schwartzfarb. He is the co-author of Levers, the framework for building repeatability into your business. And he also is the author of Sell More Faster, the ultimate sales playbook for startups. Now, we interviewed one of Amos's co-founders, Troy, and we did a deep dive with him around the financial model. But in today's episode, we do a much broader conversation with Amos around the book Levers. I think you're going to be able to tell my energy and excitement. Look, I admit that I Pretty much every time saying, I'm really excited about this episode. I'm excited to talk to this guest. And I know that that probably a lot of times comes off as like, oh, you're just excited about everybody. Well, most of the time I am excited to be able to talk to these people. I mean, I genuinely try to curate guests that is both someone who I'm looking forward to having a conversation about, whether it's the topic or it's the person, but also, and more importantly, that it's going to serve all of you. I think that my excitement around the businessy stuff that we're going to talk about today just kind of comes out. I mean, we had ended up having a fantastic conversation. We usually try to go about 30 minutes. We went a little bit longer than that in this episode. I got a lot out of it. I took a lot of notes. I think whenever you hear some of the frameworks and the verbiage and other things, you're going to get a tremendous amount from this episode. And I do recommend that you go on Amazon and pick up the book Levers. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Amos. Ambition is the first step towards success. It's time to level up your agency. And Coach P Consulting will help you do just that by using the same strategies he used to sell over 700 life insurance policies in 2021 alone. Now, this is not your regular one and done type coaching. You'll get personalized coaching two days a week, every week of the month, and you'll get a live look behind the scenes of his team training and an office that's performing at the highest level. There's a reason Coach P Consulting is the fastest growing coaching company for insurance agency owners in the country. Coach P will train your team alongside his own and show you the exact steps they're taking to achieve chairman circle, exotic travel, and multi-line presence club, and be one of the few agents to be selected to have a third office. So whether your goal is to be at the top of your local market or amongst the best in the country, this training will give you the strategies and the tactics to get there. For just $250 a month, you'll get high-level coaching each week from someone who is already getting it done at that level, and his strategies work, and it's time to put them to work for you. Sign up at coachpeakconsulting.com and get your first full month for free when you mention the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Amos, welcome to the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Really excited to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you as well. Well, we always start with background and origin story. Had one of your co-authors of the book Levers, which we'll certainly get into in just a little bit to come on the podcast, but really excited about this conversation, as I was telling you before, just how we got to this point. And so I think our listening audience is going to get a ton out of this episode. But background and origin story, how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, I'll try to do the semi-quick version, but feel free to interrupt me. So I've been in the startup world now since 1997, so for quite a long time, not on purpose. It really did stumble my way into it. I was living in San Francisco doing other things during the first internet boom, before you know, I remember when there was no internet. I don't know if you do too. And uh, stumbled into a startup that I really went there to just make money so that I can pay my rent and do other things and not 
really so much ambitious about the startup world. But it, for lots of reasons, as I reflect backwards, clearly that was the moment in time where I realized, okay, I was put on this earth to be a part of helping early stage companies do their thing. And then I've done that in many different ways over the course of my, what is that, 25, 27, I don't know how many years mm -hmm. that is, career. So I've been a part of not including my current role at Techstars, six different companies that were all either in idea phase or really, really, really early as either a founder or a founding team member. And I've helped five of those six companies reach a meaningful exit. Some of the ones you may have heard of is hotjobs.com, business.com, work.com. And then the very last company that I started was not a success, but it was my gateway into what I've been doing for the last eight years, which is that I've been the managing director of Techstars in Austin, where I, oh, yeah. uh, invest, in, I invest in 24 companies a year and they come through the Techstars Accelerator. And I sort of on the other side of the table now where I'm using my couple of decades of experience to help them navigate going from zero to one and one to two. Well, to, needless to say, you have a plethora of experience whenever it comes to business. I mean, in all different aspects, certainly tech, et cetera. The thing that I really would love to know is when you write a book, Levers, and I told you before that I love that verbiage and I really pay attention to words now way more than I ever did before. And I found myself in talking to people say, well, what lever are we pulling on here? Maybe a different way of thinking about strategy and tactics, which I'm going to actually ask you about in just a minute. But where did you and your co-authors decide to come together and say, hey, there are some things that we really believe in as a whole here. We need to start to package that together into this book, Levers. Talk about that. Yeah. So there's a couple of different starting points that all sort of converged for me and for then for all of us together. I think it all comes from the way that we lay out the frameworks in the book is how all four of us already, and there were four co-authors in total, it's how the four of us built businesses. And we didn't know each other. We met in a common way, which I can get into, but we didn't know each other. But when we met, we started to talk about the things that we're passionate about. And we all worked at Techstars early on, which is how mm -hmm. we met. We realized that we all shared a very similar philosophy into the things that were important just from a foundational and operational perspective that 100% of businesses need to do. It does not matter if you want to open up a sneaker store on Main Street or if you want to run a big venture-backed SaaS company. There were just some fundamental things that every business needed to do. And there wasn't really a series of frameworks out there compiled in this sort of way that was easy and accessible. And it took a bunch of forms before it ever turned into a book. The reason there's four authors is, I'll step back a little bit. The two main authors are me and Trevor Bame. Mm -hmm. Trevor Bame and I worked together and we were using a series of frameworks to sort of do these things. And we met Trevor, we met Cody and realized they had better frameworks and we sort of incorporated them in. And this was our, Trevor's and I work at Techstars. And so we were sort of doing these things, but not in a cohesive way. And mm -hmm. we looked at each other one day and said, gosh, we could be more effective in our job if we wrap this together and run it as a process with the companies. And we did that for a couple of years and looked at each other. And I had published a book previously and he had published a, a different book previously. And we looked at each other one day and said, gosh, I wonder if there's anything like this out there. Should we write another book about it? And we looked at each other in the eye and said, heck no, it's a lot of work to yeah. write a book. But then as we talked about it more and realized and asked Cody and Trevor to join us and say, hey, would you write the chapters that you're experts in? We thought, hey, here's a wonderful way where we can get each one of us with different strengths to write about the things that we felt that we were experts in and put it together in a cohesive way for any founder to be able to have access to. And so while in a lot of ways, it was our way of saying, like, we're already doing this on a smaller scale. How do we get the same thing that we have? correlated data that suggests it works, right? Hundreds and hundreds of companies that we've invested and in, worked into that use this process. We can see that it works. How do we get this out to more people? This is almost going to become a common theme to this podcast, but I think it's important. Some of the words that you use are super powerful. In other words, let me give you one. Repeatable. Repeatable growth. Somebody hears that, like you're a business owner, listen to this, you say, do you want repeatable growth? Are you kidding me? Yes. I want repeatable growth. Predictable. Give me some of that. I want to feel in control. I want predictable, repeatable growth. Give me that. Okay. 
But I want to ask you a question about one of those words. You've said it before, and I use it often too, but I'd love to hear your, maybe nobody's asked you this. Why do you think frameworks are so powerful in a business? Okay. And maybe even define if somebody is not familiar with that verbiage, what is a framework and why is it so powerful to be able to have frameworks to have to think about it, how to install it, how to do it in the business? Because that's what you guys have really been able to compile. Yeah, thank you. I thank you. Appreciate that. It's interesting because I what I'll step back as part of my preamble to my response to why I think frameworks are really important is as entrepreneurs, as founders, as business owners, nothing's 100%, but there's a couple of common themes that I've, I've seen. And one is they want to have more control of their own destiny. They want to reach the greatest potential that they can imagine in their mind. And by the way, that can mean a lot of different things. The greatest potential could mean I want to make enough money so that I can support my lifestyle, or it might mean I want to be a billionaire and lots of things in between. And there's no wrong answer, but they want these things. And another common theme is there are so many, many choices to make on a minute to minute basis running a business, especially when you're first starting out in the first couple of years. That having frameworks, most basic way I can say this is having a really solid framework just helps you take the guesswork out of where to start. You still have to go actually do the work. And the way that, at least the way that we've approached the frameworks is, or may not get into the frameworks, but I'll use the very first one, which is figuring out who your customer is. Anybody can make an argument that almost anyone in the world or the world as they view it can be their customer. And that's potentially true at scale. But in the early days, if you try to be something for everybody, you end up being nothing for nobody. Yeah. And so we give you a framework that just says, here's a starting point. Here's a way to organize the information that's in, all in your head so that it can make sense to you and other people around you. And then you can go execute. And then it has some ancillary benefits, You know, one of which is it's more than just you. It's alignment across the group of yous that are running it. You said to be more in control. What we like to say is less out of control because we think when you're running an early stage company, it's always a little bit of chaos. But we're saying the same thing, right? You want no, to that's fair. I mean, that's yeah. that's true. Yeah. yeah, we say it kind of cheeky, less out of control, but it's it, we're saying the same thing. And so this idea of alignment, being more in control, and being headed in a common direction, which I guess is saying a combined of the two things, we think that's where the, a power or framework can be. Mm-hmm. So it's still your world to create. And here's just some boundaries around which allow you to make decisions and not get paralysis or make bad decisions or less bad decisions. Yeah, that makes sense. I think one thing that really resonates with me there is taking the guesswork out. Okay. And you know what? This is why you and I were talking before we were kind of laughing about level of preparation of questions. And I was like, well, I mean, this is an example. There's no way I would have been able to prepare this next question. And that is, you've heard this saying before, and this is where I personally think to myself, are we saying two different things here? Are we saying the same thing? But we have to be able to hold both of these ideas together at the same time. And here's this. Wait a minute. I do want to feel in more control of my business. I do. But yet I hear people on other podcasts say, well, you can have control or you can have growth, but you can't have both. So then there's this idea of like, well, I've got to give up control to have growth, but yet I want to be able to have control, right? So then business owners go, well, which one is it? Do I have control or do I not have control? Yeah, I would love to have a debate with the person who says that you can't have control if you want to have growth, because I fundamentally don't believe that's true. Now, control, I think there's a nuance in what that word or what the meaning word, right? If you want to be able to actually control everything, yeah, that's probably true. But if you want to be able to control the idea of the things you will do to learn how to grow so that you understand what you're doing so that you can find, let's use the word, the right levers to pull and how hard to pull them. Yeah, absolutely. I can't imagine not having control and growing because to me, the flip side is, And we've seen this happen with big companies that all of a sudden disappear because they got really big and they raised a lot of money, but they didn't really understand. They never had an understanding of the predictability of the repeatability. They didn't have control of the business. And Mm so it's up and it comes down. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I was on a plane Sunday flying back from the West Coast. I absolutely want my pilot to have control of that plane, right? There's no question about it. And they're using 
switches, dials in that cockpit to navigate through the ultimate destination. I mean, obviously, it's just an analogy to us as business owners sitting in the cockpit of our business. It's a great analogy, though. It's one that like Trevor and Cody and Troy and I have used just when the four of us are talking. I know you talked to Troy a couple of weeks ago. The way that we look at the whole series of frameworks help you basically build a financial model. And Troy probably said this, which is like, you have a crystal ball that's really fuzzy. And over time, there's, you get more clarity in the crystal ball and you can literally see the future if nothing changes in your model. We look at that model as like the cockpit of your airplane. And we've literally used that analogy because that's what it is. You're just looking at it, hundreds of little dials and things that you understand what's happening. So if the business starts to go up and you don't know why, that's not good. Yeah. If this goes down and you do know why, that's good because now you know where to pinpoint in what you could potentially do. And when we talk about it, we're not talking about it at the macro level. We're talking about the detail and the specificity of why. Yes. You, that, you have control. Yeah. It, you just brought up a really good point is that if the business is going down, I want to know why the business is not going down. Or maybe even if it's staying level, why is the business flatlining? Like we've been at the same level for three months, six months, a year or something like that. But then you just mentioned another thing. Hey, we're starting to grow. I really don't even know how we're growing. That's not going to give you predictability, control, and repeatability because at some point you're going to hit a plateau. The business is going to start tilting. Now, you don't have anything to go back to and say, oh, wait a minute, repeat successful actions. Well, what were the successful actions that we did? We have no idea what it was. Yeah, you're nailing it. And I think that is a difference between a visionary business owner or CEO sometimes are and this is okay. In fact, I think, frankly, I think the best CEOs sometimes don't have this skill set, which is they can see the vision, but they're not able to get really deep into the weeds. So, okay, my business is flat. You can say, well, we're not doing any marketing. Okay. That's not a reason why. The reason why is, I don't know, what are your marketing channels? Get into it. What are the specific things that you could be doing in marketing? Like how detailed? Well, we should be running newspaper ads only on Tuesday afternoons in these three publications and we should be doing radio ads only on Monday afternoons between the hours of two and three, because that's where our audience is, right? I'm making that up, right? But that's the level of detail and more so what's the message? Is there a sale? What's the call to action? How are you communicating to the people? This is the level of detail that you need to understand because those are the nuances. If you don't understand how those impact your business, it's easy to say we're not doing enough marketing. It's a meaningless statement. Yeah, for sure. One thing I'd love for you to touch on this is I'm sure feel free to kind of take this into a framework if you want to, but it comes up often. And I really think that this is important that people get this because we're using this analogy with pilots. If you are looking at the altimeter to try to figure out how much gas you have in the tank, okay, you're destined to fail. Okay. This is, this is not going to go well for you. In other words, creating a metrics driven organization or metrics driven company. Okay. And that is, use your intuition. Okay, you've got a gut there and some intuition and some experience. That's fine. But if you're not measuring that, if you're not actually putting it in scoreboards and dashboards and things that you can then test your gut, you're going to make poor decisions based off your emotions that are going to go up and down. And you just talk about the importance of that and how using data to be able to make better decisions in the organization. I, I, I don't think you even know I wrote another book prior to Levers, but what you just said almost verbatim is what I say in the introduction of that book, which is that it is really critical that you use your intuition to drive your direction, but your execution has to be driven by metrics. Amazing. Yeah, awesome. I, we are so on the same page. Here's what I think. I think a lot of people, you know, I've worked with, at this point, I've worked with, I don't know, several hundred founders pretty deeply on their businesses. Most people, not to their fault, because this isn't how they're taught in college or in business school or in even in entrepreneur classes, most people don't understand the nuance between metrics aware and metrics driven. To me, the difference is metrics aware means I know what the metrics are of my business, I know where we are today, and I know where we came from. Metrics driven is I know where we are today, and I understand that by doing a specific thing, it will drive a specific result. And if I want a specific result and I don't know how to get there, I have to run a lot of tests to learn what that means. So another way to say it, it's a difference between a lagging indicator and a leading indicator. 
think people understand lagging indicators really well. We did $5,000 in revenue yesterday. I don't think they understand leading indicators quite as well. And the simplest explanation of it, and I know you know this, but the explanation for the listener is, if I make seven calls, I know that seven calls, cold calls will result in three phone conversations and three phone conversations will result in two demos and two demos will result in one contract. There's mm-hmm. some math there. And each one of those things is a lagging indicator of the previous thing, but a leading indicator of what's to happen next. And so assuming you have the right message and the right product and all those things, if I make seven calls, I can run those numbers. If I make 14 calls, those numbers all double. If I make 21 calls, those numbers all go up by 30%, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Something might break in there, but you will see literally because you're metrics driven, one of the parts of my sales process breaks. So I'm going to make numbers up now. You go from 100 to 50 to 25, all this, right? Say you're supposed to do that, but now you go from 100 to 50 to 20. You can see something is broken and you can start to dig in what is driving that number down instead of up what has happened, right? Mm. It could be the quality of leads is bad. It could be that the phone conversations that you're having aren't high, as high quality, or it could be lots of things. You're using that to drive a result of what's coming next. That's awesome. Okay, so I've never heard that before. I've never heard metrics aware and metrics driven. Okay, that's great. So let's bring it down to an example, all right? So you tell me, I'm gonna give a specific example for one of my companies. So Thursday, I'm running a workshop, okay? And so we have a dashboard that we're tracking the numbers off of. And I said, we're doing, a, I think I called it the 30, 30, 30. So it's like, I want 30 registrations. I think 30% of those people are going to show up. So nine, nine people then are going to show up. 30% of those people will book in a call afterwards. That's three. And then I think 30% of those people will ultimately convert to a client. That's one. Worth it. Okay. Is that a metrics-driven or metrics-where organization? Just talking about those metrics, it's aware. Where the driven comes in is understanding under each one of those numbers, under each one of those 30%, what are the drivers of that? How are you measuring the things that take you from 99 to whatever the, whatever the numbers were, 30%, 30%, 30%? Yeah. And when you can start to understand that, it actually gives you the ability to drive those numbers up Oh, I see. That makes sense. So what are the things that we can do to get more people to... So I'm taking a guess and we're saying, okay, you get 30 people to register. That doesn't mean 30 people are going to show up. You hope so, right? But what are the things that we can do underneath that to get more people to show up? That's right. right. So you're saying, oh, well, actually, every person that signs up, we pick up the phone and call them and we say, hey, we saw that you registered for the event. We're excited to have you. Is that what you're basically saying? Yeah, yeah. I'll say it a little bit differently. because What you're describing is accurate and tactical. I'll back it up a little bit, which is the idea that I'm going to run experiments of things that I can do. Awesome. Phone calls, it might be emails, it might be text messages. I don't know what the thing is, right? It might be sure. two calls, not one, but you're going to run experiments to figure out what are the things that I can do. And those experiments are you're using them to drive to be metrics driven to drive the numbers in a upward direction. Okay. No, that's good. The reason I asked this is because I wanted to take a high level concept and then drive it down into for people to be able to say, Hey, can we contextualize this into something that give me an example to it? And I think that helps people to go, oh, okay, like I got it conceptually, but now I got it high level, but I need to be able to contextualize it into something that I actually might would do in my organization. Yeah. So I think that was really good. I didn't want to make that about me per se, but I wanted to use it as an example. So that's no, I think that's great. And I, you know, I think just for the listener to hear this, which is becoming a metrics driven organization, if you're not already that, which is most companies when they start out is hard. Because sometimes you don't know what even to focus on, much less how to do it. And so, you know, what I usually tell the companies that I work with is it may take two years and that's okay. Yeah. Along the way, you're making strides. It's not a light switch. It's a dimmer switch, right? And you're going to get better and better and better and better until you realize that the decisions you make in the business are you're making them. You're using your intuition to drive the direction, but you're using metrics to drive the execution. Where should we actually do that? Well, the numbers don't lie. If we make two phone calls to every registrant, we will get 33%. If we make one phone call, we'll only get 10%. If we make three phone calls, we still only get 33%. So two phone calls is the number. 
Uh, yeah. See, that's good. Hopefully people are seeing that this is, this is really good stuff. I'm sending a Slack message to my team right after this. Okay, guys, we have to be a metrics-driven organization. But one other thing I just want to say to that, though, the 30-30-30 thing that I told you, I didn't completely pull that out of my tail. Okay. It wasn't completely. There were some discussions with some other people. My coach, I was like, Hey, what, what's kind of give me some average numbers. So it was kind of like, let me take a dart and I'm going to throw it at a wall. But at least now we have a number and then we'll start to figure out what the numbers actually be. You are describing something that makes it really hard for people to start this. And you did an awesome because what I usually tell people, because people will swirl around. Well, how do I pick a number? Well, I don't really know. I'm like, you know what? It doesn't really matter. You're probably wrong anyway. So accept the fact that you're going to be wrong and just put a stake in the ground and try to get there. And you know what? It doesn't matter if you get there or not. What matters is, do you know why you got there or didn't get there? And along the way, you may not even have the right type of number. You're saying, you know, 30, whatever, it might not be the whatever. It might be something totally different that you should be measuring. But until you measure something, you're measuring nothing. So at least it gives you some direction. As a business owner, you know the importance of being able to set goals, track your progress, and see the results. Well, that's exactly what our partners at Today App Pro have been able to build just for you. Today App is corporate approved. It allows you to track activities, build custom word tracks. It allows you to calculate all your commissions and your bonus structures in a seamless fashion, and it integrates perfectly with your company CRM. Today App is truly the best office software to manage all of the day-to-day in one place. It can even manage your employees' time, track production, have a leaderboard with metrics, and has custom reporting. Visit todayapppro.com, todayapppro.com, and schedule a demo and let them know you heard about them on the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. Are you an agency owner looking to grow your revenue, increase your bottom line, and better manage your taxes? Club Capital is here to help. Club Capital is the largest accounting and advisory firm for insurance agents in the country, providing monthly accounting, tax strategy, and CFO services. Way more than bookkeeping and your everyday run-of-the-mill tax prep, Club Capital is focused on providing financial and tax advisory services that help you plan and forecast your agency's performance. Their financial dashboards and agency forecasting tools help you better understand your agency's historical performance, create and measure future targets, and see how your agency compares to your peers around the country. Imagine what it would be like to understand the impact to your bottom line when deciding to hire a new employee or forecast the impact rate changes or commission rates will have on your business. With over $200 million in tracked annual revenue and $140 million in tracked annual expenses, Club Capital has the data and the team to help you make better informed decisions for your agency. They will help you turn that back office stress into the backbone of your agency's success by giving you the tools to take your agency and your leadership to the next level. Visit club.capital today to book a solution overview with one of our business consultants. Club Capital, way more than a CPA firm. Have you ever thought, wouldn't it be incredible if you had direct access to our expert podcast guest in real time and be able to ask a question specific to your business? Well, now you have the opportunity to do that. After three and a half years, we're finally launching a leadership podcast community, and we want you to be a part of it. We're launching this podcast community on June the 1st. Go to club.capital forward slash podcast, and you'll get all the details. You'll be able to interact with every single one of the podcasts that we record in real time and ask us questions and be able to ask the guest questions. In addition to that, we're going to have a monthly exclusive Q&A just for our leadership podcast listeners. Go to club.capital forward slash podcast. That's club.capital forward slash podcast and be one of the very first to join. I can't wait to see you in our leadership podcast community. I think even on our Notion page, on our master Notion page that we're putting this all in as a team, we have all of our assets in there. I think at the very top, I put these numbers are absolutely 100% sure to go wrong. It's not going to go this way. I'm taking my best guess, but this is what we're going to do. And then we're going to keep running this thing, running this workshop until we get it right. That's, that's the yeah, that's, that I mean, not... assuming you're looking at the metrics, that's being metrics driven for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So let's go into the book a little bit and maybe you can walk us through 
we'll pull some levers on some of these. But walk us through maybe the the structure of the book, how it's laid out, maybe even almost a table of contents for somebody that hasn't obviously picked it up yet. And then I want to ask you a question in just a second on strategy and tactics. That actually gets messed up all the time and people use them interchangeably. And they're like, well, I kind of know strategies above tactics and tactics sit under strategy, but I'm not really sure which one is strategy and which one's tactics. And so we just kind of ends up in a blended mess. We'll get there in a second. But why don't you just first talk about the structure of the book and the contents, et cetera, how it's laid out? Sure. I can, uh, I, I can do, I can go, sort of give you this overview of it. So we say that there's five frameworks. There's actually six in the book that we have one in the appendix that really comes before everything, but it's the only thing that's not metrics driven. So we left it out of the core frameworks. If we do a second edition, we might treat it differently. So there's a sneaky six, the sneaky or the way that we actually teach it when we teach it is it's the first thing we do, which is a mission vision exercise. This is just to establish for the group of people working on it. What is the North Star? What are you actually trying to do? What's your vision of changing the world? And by changing the world, by the way, it doesn't have to literally mean the world. It's the world that if you sell sneakers on Main Street, right? It's anybody who buys sneakers in your town. How are you going to change that world for people who yeah. care about sneakers in your town, right? So it's the world you see it. So that's the first one. Everything else is around met- is a metrics-driven framework. So the next series of frameworks are meant to be a progression. They each, any one of these frameworks, you can pull out and look at it by itself and it can be really effective for what it is but it the sum of the parts is much greater the very first one is an exercise to really get down to the core of who you believe your customer really is the framework is called w3 it's answering three questions who's my customer what do they buy for me and why do they buy it if you want me i can go deeper into any of the frameworks later but yeah go through them all So it starts with that. And the framework basically gives you this whole list of data that you need to go collect. There's a whole bunch of information that you need to learn so that you really understand your customer, not your theory of who you think it is, but who it really is because you've got proof. The second one we call finding your revenue formula. You could also say, what's my business model? What we're really doing here is two things. The first is we're saying, what is the simple math equation of how my business works? If you sell t-shirts, if I've got a customer and they buy one t-shirt at $5 a t-shirt, I make $5. If I have two customers, they buy one t-shirt eat at $5, it's $10. If I have one customer, they buy two t-shirts at $5 each, I get $10, right? It's just a simple math equation. Oftentimes, it's not what you think it is, but some it's often also very simple. The second thing we're doing here, and this is where the real value is, out of every single one of those values, you define what are the drivers and the sub-drivers of that value. So you can almost think about the revenue formula. This goes to your future question. The revenue formula is almost like your business strategy and the drivers and sub-drivers are the tactics. So Mm. one of the things is to get customers into your store. One of the drivers is going to be marketing. And then the sub-drivers are all of the different marketing tactics or even better. One driver could be radio advertising. Another driver could be out-of-home advertising. Another driver could be internet advertising. And then for each one of those drivers, What do you actually have to do in order to make that driver move, which would make the value in the formula move? Mm. So when you think about your formula, like if you have an operating business, you could just plug in your real numbers and that's your business. Mm -hmm. So that's the first two things. So if you can imagine what you're doing here is you're getting, you're collecting a lot of data, a lot of information, a lot of to-dos, a lot of things you got to learn, a lot of researches, big list of stuff to go do. The third framework we call validating your assumptions. And basically it makes you take a critical look and all of the assumptions you have in, in your business, whether you can prove them or not. So it's essentially everything you've done in the first two frameworks and probably a few things you've missed. And we've got ways to prompt that out of you. And then once you have that, it breaks it out into four quadrants. So you can imagine anything below the line is low priority. Anything above the line is high priority. If it's low priority, we say, don't even pay attention to it right now. It doesn't matter until it becomes high priority because you only have time and you only have so much time in the day. If it's high priority, your left and right quadrant, one side is it is validated. We have data. We know for a fact this is true. This is not my gut telling me. We know it's true. The other side, and this is stuff that if if you know it's true, you're building, you're doing it. You're acting on it. You're spending money on it because you know, if I spend a dollar in radio advertising, I'm going to get $3 back. You're going to do that. You're going to do that all day long because you know it works until it breaks. The other side of the quadrant is it's high priority 
but we actually, it's not validated yet. And so then the question becomes, what do I need to go learn? What do I need to go research? And how do I validate it or invalidate it to know whether I can move it into the validated column or a core assumption of my business isn't true, which means that I've got to think really deeply about what the impact is to my business. So the first two frameworks collect a bunch of information. The third framework is, okay, now that I have it, how do I prioritize it? What do I do now? And what do I do next? The next framework is a KPI framework. So this gets into like the core of the metric stuff. So now that I know what I have to do now and next, how am I actually going to measure it? There's so many KPI frameworks out there. Most of them are pretty good. Ours is written specifically to go with the rest of the levers framework. But if you have your own, use your own. Hmm. But have a framework for KPIs to say, we know what we're going to do. We know where, how we're going to measure it. And then the final one is how to build a financial model. And I'll just say this because I use the words financial model and plan synonymously. So how do you build a plan that is data-driven with all of the information you've collected in the first four frameworks? You literally have gotten, you've collected everything you need to do to build a financial model. This is where Troy comes in, to build an assumptions-based financial model so that you can have a crystal ball that's really foggy and over time gets more and more clear so that you actually can predict the future literally predict the future of your business unless there's a material change. But because you have such deep insight into your business, that material change will allow you to go back in to a now foggier crystal ball and figure out how to make it more clear again. Man. That's it. And we did that like 130 pages. (laughs) That's amazing. So even that last part, Predict the future. Somebody has been like, what if you could just predict the future? What if you could pay? You can. (laughs) (laughs) Here's my three-year vision. And I actually can make that happen. That's pretty amazing. Okay. Speaking on that, though, that actually brings me to a thought. I know I asked Troy this, and he said five on the financial model. So you can answer this in financial model, but you can come back to just in general. Okay. I index more for a three-year vision, three-year, one-year, 90-day. That's my personal belief on things. That's how I try to run things. Do you feel like that the further out that you go, if you pull it down to a quarterly, that better be pretty doggone clear. If you're fuzzy on what you're trying to do in Q3, (laughs) good luck. But the further out you go, it's just going to get fuzzier. I mean, period. It just is. And so what has been the thing that you have And I'm asking this not just even from the book. I'm asking this more from your example of working with hundreds of business owners to say it's still a worthwhile exercise of doing it, even if it's fuzzy. So I think I'm going to answer your question, but if I don't redirect me, I do think it's worth it because the the important thing is to start to understand what the mechanics of your business looks like as you begin to scale. Because getting only a one-year or even a two-year view into how you think this is going to work, it doesn't really allow you to start to look ahead as you think about predicting the future of what might break. Can we hire so many sales? Whatever the thing is, things will break because that's just how it is. Nothing grows linearly. And And to start having a point of view long in advance of what that might look like is really, really important so that you don't find yourself surprised when things break. You might not know three years in advance, but you'll have a model that starts to allow you to see things you wouldn't have otherwise be able to see. Now, what I'll tell you is I understand why choice is five. I sit with you at three. It's really a difference between an operator, in my opinion, difference between an operator mindset and a VC mindset. The VC wants the five-year plan, not because they think that you are going to, your numbers are going to be right, because they want to be able to start to see what will this look like from a returns perspective at five seven years from a valuation perspective, if we're even remotely close from an operator perspective, I think it's like, yeah, anything beyond three years is a big freaking question mark at most operators say, yes, I want to return at some point, but that's not what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about how do I build the best product for my customer to get the most value from me? So it's just a different mindset. Like I get the five year, I'll usually when I'm building them for raising capital, I'll build the five year, but what do I really care about? I care about the three year plan. Yeah, but a three-year plan is always evolving, right? Like every six months, you're building another three-year plan because you learned a bunch of stuff, especially early on. Oh, yeah, totally. That makes a lot of sense. I want to go to number three that you mentioned, and you were talking about high priority, low priority, validated, yeah. not validated. So it's like one of the maxims, and we're going to apply this maxim to what you just said. It's like, show me, don't tell me. If it's validated, show me. I want to see it. Versus you can talk it, Okay. These business owners, founders are usually pretty good talkers, right? And you're like, sounds really good, Bradley. I need you to show that to me. 
And I was on a call the other day with a business owner. We were talking about the job description. And I said, that's great. Let me see it. I said, do you have the to have this? He was like, yeah. It took him like 15 minutes to find the thing. I'm like, uh, I don't think you really have it. I love doing that exercise with people because it really quick, when you're being honest with yourself, it really quickly reveals things like sometimes the, the, hey, I have this core principle of why the business should even exist at all. It's just my gut. doesn't mean your gut's wrong, but why are you going to go invest hundreds of hours and thousands or tens of thousands or millions of dollars into something off of intuition? Again, intuition can drive the direction. Go get some data to, to drive execution. Because what if you're wrong? What if your whole theory is wrong about why to build this business? It might only be off by a degree. But if you mm -hmm. go in that direction without validation, that degree, if you're traveling a thousand miles, if you're in Kansas and you're one degree off traveling to California, it's a difference between San Francisco and LA. Pretty yeah. far. Yeah. Huge difference. Yeah. Before I transition to that last question around strategies and tactics and just kind of your definition of that, I wanted to ask you, you mentioned around the sixth principle and you said, hey, we typically really kind of start with that when it's not necessarily metrics driven. So that's something that people have heard too. Uh, mission. Yeah, I need to get this mission right. And yet I was this person. I just kind of rolled my eyes. Wow, geez, what am I doing? I'm just doing this stupid mission thing. And I didn't really care about it. Well, I've really come around to that. I mean, I can remember five years ago, Bradley, six years ago, Bradley would have been like, yeah, we're not doing this mission BS. But now... I'm like, no, it actually matters. It actually has mattered pretty big. Can you just speak about that? Yeah. And I would say probably more than five or six years ago, but there was a point in my career where I was similar to you. And I think there's more than one reason why it's important, but I'll say that probably the number one reason it's important is because whatever is in the founder's head sits in the founder's head. And to assume that everyone can read your mind is a recipe for disaster. Mm. And going through an exercise, and especially if it's a collective exercise where you're coming up with the words together, and that's how we have our structure, which is you're actually coming up with the words together. It's really hard to argue that you're not all saying the same thing because you created it together. That doesn't mean that the founder doesn't articulate their vision. And then you agree on how to actually articulate that outwardly and you can do that. And now, regardless of your organization is three people or 300 people or 3000 people, if everyone can articulate the same thing and it's been agreed upon by the leaders of the company, then it becomes really easy to stay aligned around that North Star. Even if you ran a top-down organization where the CEO says, well, I'm going to just tell you what it is and that's what it is. Still, the articulation of that is the difference between someone totally understanding what you're trying to do or assuming that they understand because you think it's obvious. Yeah. I would just really encourage people to pick up the book for a lot of reasons and to go to that section. And if you're been like Amos and I, and at some point, and maybe you're there today and just say like, ah, this mission stuff, I'm just going to throw it over to the side because I've got bigger fish to fry. I've got a team member that's out sick. Somebody just quit. Okay. Well, maybe don't do it this week, but don't dismiss that. There's a value in doing that and utilizing your book to be able to help kind of bring that out of the founder of the business owner, I think is really key. Okay. Yeah, strategy you know, and tactics. And I'll just say it's kind of a fun exercise and it's often really revealing that people, they're not far off from each other, but they're not in the same page or they're not in the same spot on the same. They're usually on the same page, but they're not in the same spot on the same page. So it's mm -hmm. hard to have a conversation about what's going on, or let's just say in the same chapter, but they're not in the same spot in the same chapter. It's hard to have a conversation about the chapter if you're on different pages of the chapter. So get on the same page of the chapter so you can have a conversation about the chapter. Oh, that was good. That, that's a good analogy. I made that one up right now. So hopefully it works. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was good. That was actually really good. I'm like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. We're sort of in the same sphere, but no, we're not really on the same page. We're in the same book, but we're not on the same page. You're on page right. two. I'm on page 22. So, right. you know, that's good. I like that. All right. Strategies and tactics. Love to hear your definition of that. Yeah. I think it's a hard concept sometimes to understand the difference between the two. Like conceptually, you understand that, yes, you have to have a strategy and you tactics are the way that you execute on a strategy. But where I think it becomes challenging and particularly challenging for people that are excellent at executing is that you're so good at doing this thing that the strategy either doesn't exist or it's obvious, but you're heading in the direction of the thing you're trying to accomplish. What a strategy, where I think a strategy becomes really important and what it allows you to do is to step back and say, as an organization, we have a set of beliefs on the best way 
to organize and execute that were all aligned around. And so, for example, I think this is a good example. So W3, which is the framework out of levers, is something that I created at a company that I was at almost two decades ago. And at the time, we called it was the W3 strategy. What that meant was we used this framework to come up with the who and the why of what we were, who we were selling to and what we were going to actually deliver to them so that we were all saying the same thing. And that allowed us, that dictated what were the tactics in order to deliver on that strategy. So I think of it as a way to organize around a common set of goals so that we are creating and moving towards and executing in the same direction. Uh, that makes sense. It's been great. I enjoyed this conversation. This was awesome. I picked up a lot of really good things, gave me some validation on a few words and other items, and hopefully gave some people some language that they wouldn't necessarily have been able to adopt. And I would just like to say, if you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you know that we've really been intentional about saying that, hey, words matter. The words that you use for yourself, the, the things that you say, the things that you say to your team, they matter. I was absolutely loosey-goosey with my language. Ah, you know, it was like close enough. And I was just intertwining things. And that ultimately makes it more complicated. And so started this repeatability, control, predictability in the business. I think your book is absolutely fantastic. Amos, people want to obviously pick up the book. Where would you point them to? And also just any of the other resources that you may have. Yeah. So yeah, thank you. If you pick up the book, appreciate it. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn is probably the easiest place to mm -hmm. find me. I read all the messages that I get there. It just seems like a good central place for that. If anyone listening is interested in doing the levers as a course, the other two co-authors, Cody and Trevor, teach it as a course. So they work with you hands-on. You can reach out to me and I can connect you with them. Awesome. Amos, this has been great, man. Hope to have you back on in the future. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was really fun. Oh, goodness. Where do I start on things that were takeaways for me? I told you in the beginning, in the intro, that I really enjoyed this conversation. I think that was fairly evident. Certainly metrics aware of metrics driven. I try to never make these episodes about me, only maybe my lessons or something like that. But because I had a specific example around that, I wanted to kind of see, well, how would we contextualize this and use maybe the one that we're doing, one of the strategies that we're doing? with webinars to be able to kind of help all of you. So I thought that was big, metrics-aware, metrics-driven. I think it can't be understated the importance of being able to think mission, vision, values. What's our core values? What's the mission that we're on? Why does this company exist? And then what's the vision that we have for the company? I was actually, I think it was on Instagram or something like that. I saw Dave Ramsey, and obviously he has entree leadership, incredible leader himself. And he was, uh, it was like a snippet. It was, I guess, a reel. And he said, look, you've got to establish your mission and your vision. And it was just a 10 second thing. And I just saw that maybe yesterday or the day before that. And then to have it come up again, I think is really important. And sometimes you hear things like a lesson that you have not learned, but you've been exposed to again. So you kind of relearn that lesson. And then I thought, him just kind of breaking down the way that he approaches the overall frameworks in the book. I really do think that you'll get a lot of that. We talked to Troy obviously around the financial model, but being able to the validation of your assumptions and how do you actually take when we had that conversation in there around using your intuition and your gut and your experience and you just have a gut feel for something, but at the same time kind of backing it up with, okay, well, let's go and do that, but let's let's begin to measure it. I thought that was a really great discussion. So go and pick up his book. Great conversation with Amos. Well, obviously, there's a few things in there that really correlate with a lot of our podcast sponsors. Certainly, if you think about being able to be metrics driven and having numbers and a forecast moving forward, we talked about that again with Troy. Go back and listen to that episode if you haven't. And that's exactly what Club Capital does. And so being able to like, okay, I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to predict the future and have a crystal ball. <laughs> well, that's what Club Capital can help you to do. So book a no obligation demo with Club Capital so they can start to begin to put together a forecast. Personally, I'm not a big five-year forecast person. I think it just gets so fuzzy. You end up just truly throwing spaghetti on the wall. That's my opinion. But again, Amos kind of gave his thoughts on that as well. But go to Club Capital. 
book I know obligation deadline with someone, you may be getting financial statements from last month. What's backwards looking? You're just seeing what happened as opposed to forecasting and looking ahead. And that's where their CFO services are really fantastic. Go to club.capital. Well, I mean, with leading and lagging indicators, he he discussed that being metrics driven as an example. Well, where does all that play in? Well, one of the ways that it plays in is whenever you work with Today App, you go to Today App Pro and get a demo with them and actually see if you're using Excel right now for your team, if you're using an antiquated system or something that's super complicated and you haven't taken a look at Today App, go to Today App Pro and just book a no obligation demo. Let them walk you through the system. It's corporate approved. It has a seamless interface with your CRM system. So you don't have any worries there. You can customize your script. So imagine you have the playbook for how you want to sell certain policies in your business, or you want to be able to have referral conversations. What if you're able to put that right where the work is happening? And that's where they track their compensation and bonus plans, and they'll be able to help set that up for you. You may have an idea on paper, this is what I want to do. And then they've got some best practices working with hundreds of insurance agents to do exactly what it is that you're wanting to do. And they can maybe even tailor and give you some tips and tricks to be able to do that and know that it's all going to work seamlessly. It's really an all-in-one platform. You're going to be able to get incredible insights so that you can coach and develop your team really well. Well, Ben, with that, you may want to know, well, I don't have the word tracks. I don't really have the plays. I need to be able to get that. I need to build that playbook. Well, if you work with Coach P, this is why we've got all of our partners specifically for this reason, okay? We don't just out there picking anybody that's going to be our podcast sponsor. We want to find the best of the best. Trust me, I could do the whole thing and we could reach out to just pretty much anybody. We're doing this because we see this as these are the best of the best that can really help you. So if you want to be able to get access to the plays of someone like David, who's getting it done absolutely highest level, doing it the right way, but then not only get the tools, but kind of see behind the scenes of, okay, how do they wield these tools? How do they say these things? Well, if you go to Coach P Consulting, David will let you have an entire free month of working with him and his team, and you'll be able to get access to all of those things, not just for yourself, but your team members can join as well. And of course, working with autopilot recruiting, you're going to be able to build a bench if you are already at capacity. But if you're having a little bit of turnover, if you've really struggled with sourcing of candidates, I was on my call with our community this morning and somebody had just signed up with autopilot recruiting. They said, man, they've already screened a hundred candidates. That was honestly just today. One of our members said, yeah, they've already screened hundreds of candidates. That would have taken me hours to do that. And I've got interviews with two really fantastic candidates. And that's happened just in the first couple of weeks. So go to autopilotrecruiting.com, autopilotrecruiting.com. All right, everyone. Love this episode. Till next time, lead well.